Okay, hello everybody. Today is Monday. Another Zodiac Monday. Welcome to the show. I have just a couple of quick announcements before we begin. The first is that I've been doing a series on the New Orleans Axeman that operated in the early part of the 20th century, and some episodes are going to come out about the Axeman later this week, but because we are approaching the season of fall, autumn of course, there's also going to be a very special Anything Goes Friday this week talking about Jack the Ripper. So if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, now is a great time to do so. Also, there has been an interview posted with Joe from the Zodiac Killer Insights series on the Mystic Drop YouTube channel. I've also been a guest on the Mystic Drop in the past. And the host of that program, Roberto, is really good at the interviews because... Not only is he a good listener, but you can tell he's trying to understand how the guest is thinking, as opposed to some types of interviews where someone is trying to just forcefully destroy the other person's standpoint and such. So that available, that is, that available, excuse me, that interview is available on the Mystic Drop YouTube channel, and of course I recommend uh, Roberto's other videos as well. Speaking of interviews, though, I recently did one with Mike Morford for the Zodiac Killer channel Interviews with the Experts series, and some people may have noticed that I've scaled down the debunking series from two episodes on the weekend to just one, and the most recent one was, unfortunately, Ted Cruz. Sorry about that, but um, he worked his way into this channel at some point, and the reason is because on one day, during the weekends, we've been recording things for the Zodiac Killer channel, so that should be coming out any second now. You, even at the end of this recording, you might check and see if it's available, and if you're listening to this in the future, there is a new series on the Zodiac Killer channel called Interviews with the Experts, and we're just going to be trying to get as many people on the program as we can. I am just the host of it. It is all arranged by the staff at the Zodiac Killer channel, Jack Cooper, Steve Beaumont, and some other people. But it was a really good uh, discussion that I did with Mike Morford, and I really got a lot out of it. I hope you guys would too. And we had a very big chance to discuss his Zodiac Killer suspect, McDuff. Of course, I'm sure you guys already know his name now, but we're simply just going to call him McDuff until something changes. McDuff is actually his middle name, and he went by the nickname Mac in his daily life, to the best of my knowledge. Morph was frequently referring to him as Mac throughout the interview. But um, just a few more things before we truly get into that material. Some people have said that they listen to Black Box Online Radio to help them fall asleep. And I've been reading your guys' comments, and I was thinking about making a set of podcast uploads for this channel where it would be just for that, specifically designed for that. I know that's some very new territory for Black Box Online Radio, but I would like to try that maybe coming out later this week at some point to put out a... Just something a little bit different. Think of it as the pilot episode, prototype, beta model, or something like that on a podcast that would be specifically designed for falling asleep and such. And it wouldn't be done like the whole ASMR thing, which is all like, Okay, now, we're gonna talk. 
and you're going to fall asleep. That sort of thing. I do have to share one thing with you guys. Last night, I was dreaming, and I've been talking a lot about Beavis and Butthead on the channel recently, and I had this dream where I was in some woman's apartment. I have no idea who she was. I think I crawled in through the window, and there was Beavis from Beavis and Butthead, but he wasn't a cartoon. It was like a real person, but he was Beavis, and I knew who he was, and he's just like, hey, 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 uh, you want coffee? And I was like, um, yeah, okay. And then um, he, we went over to the kitchen, and they had this type of um, coffee pot where the water was coming out of the bottom. <laughs> bottom. And then it was the water was also coming out of the top. It was like a coffee pot fountain, and Beavis poured himself a cup of coffee. But I didn't see how he operated this thing with the water coming in like from the top and coming out from the bottom and that water going in two directions. And I was like, oh, no. I can't figure out how to operate this um, type of fantasyful coffee pot. I'm going to have to ask Beavis for help. And then I woke up. Talk about um, something weird and such. I don't. I know I didn't need to share that, but I did anyway. And the final announcement would be that I've been doing a regular series on the disappearance of Donna Lass. And there will be a regularly scheduled episode coming out this Thursday. Last Thursday I didn't do one because I was talking about the New Orleans Axeman. But there will be a Donna Lass episode coming out this Thursday. And again, if you're listening to this in the future, please feel free to visit the playlist on the disappearance of Donna Lass. In my interview with Michael Morford, he talked a lot about Donna Lass. We've both been following the case. But Morf has some, um, I guess, firsthand connections to that mystery. And as I said, I, I, t I had a lot of um, good things that I came away from with from the interview. So I'll be talking a lot about Morph's comments about the disappearance of Donna Lass on Thursday. And as always, you can like, subscribe, download the show for free at Launchpad 1. Feel free to go to Amazon.com, look at the book Killer on a White Horse by me, Ned DeHaan, and you can also visit the Teespring page, have a look at some of the merchandise. Remember, being weird is not a crime. So while I was interviewing Morph, we were talking a lot about his suspect, Mac. Macduff. Also, in one interview, they called him Suspect Mason. I have done a couple episodes about Macduff in the past, but I think he is an interesting suspect, and I had the opportunity to ask Michael Morford, though, what is something that you've heard on Black Box Online Radio that you disagree with? And talking about my comments, of course, and what he said was, you seem to think that the Zodiac Killer had to be a certain height, or that he had to have a certain intelligence level, or that he had to have a certain amount of education. And, of course, Morph would dispute that, because his Zodiac Killer suspect is Macduff, who was 5 feet 8 inches tall. At the time of the Lake Herman Road murders, he was 23, but by the time the other murders took place, he would have had his 24th birthday. So he's 5'8", 200 pounds. He lived in the vicinity of the payphone used after the Blue Rock Springs shooting. And when it comes to education, 
McDuff had a bachelor's degree in sociology from Chico State University. I need to apologize for one thing. I said that he spent 31 years working for the Department of Corrections. Not even Morph is completely sure about what McDuff was doing during that time. He said he was a state employee. He did something with the prison system for a large part of his career, but, I mean, it is inappropriate of me to say that he started working for the Department of Corrections in 1971, and he stayed there for the bulk of his career. He's definitely a state employee doing something. I'm I'm not sure what, but, I mean, I think you can get the idea. So he's, he's doing something for the state of California. However, that is what Morph uses as an explanation for the halt in Zodiac activity, which is really 72 and 73. The Zodiac Killer committed a crime spree in 1968 and 69, and then continued to write letters well into 1970. I mean, the Zodiac Killer is practically trolling humanity, trolling the populations of California in 1970, all the way into the month of October, which we are approaching now, sending things like the Halloween card, mocking Paul Avery and so on, as well as other things that may have um, may have some relevance to the disappearance of Donna Lass, which I'll talk about on Thursday. But I always thought it was so fascinating when Morph would say that he thought that his suspect, McDuff, got his job with the state in 1971, and that's the Holt and Zodiac activity. And then in 1974, you have these Zodiac communications, including the Exorcist letter, which um, says, I don't have it memorized, let me try my best, though. I saw and think that The Exorcist is the best satirical comedy ever. And then it says, he plunged into the billowy wave in the suicide's grave, titwillow, titwillow, titwillow. P.S. If I don't see this note in your paper, I'll do something nasty, which you know I'm capable of. And then there's some symbols on it, which Kevin Brooks thought it was um, a rearranging of the word to kill. But my original thought about that was that the exorcist letter was simply just faux Japanese, like it's someone attempting to write Japanese, but they don't actually know the symbols. And obviously it was, in, it was never intended to pass off as true Japanese, it's just something that's a little bit Asiatic because he's quoting the Mikado, which is set in Japan. But why would somebody do that? Why would there be this halt in Zodiac activity? from 1971 through 72 and 73. Well, Morpheus proposed that his suspect, McDuff, got a job with the state, and that was a major life-changing event for him. And then in 1974, he gets married. And then some people think the exorcist letter, talking about plunging into the billowy wave and the suicide's grave, yes, it's a quote from the Mikado, but... It's also putting an end to the Zodiac Killer persona, Zodiac Killer character that was created and active in the 1960s. So the big points that um, Morph disagreed with me on were that I seem to think that the Zodiac Killer was much more educated than he would have had to have been in Morph's mind, that he didn't necessarily have to have graduate-level education, and that... Five foot eight is um, an acceptable height for a Zodiac killer suspect, and Morph did encourage me to look at some of the police reports that that said that the perpetrator was described as five foot eight after the Blue Rock Springs shooting, and one of the descriptions after the Stein shooting. 
Now, when it comes to the height of the Zodiac Killer, I do not dispute those reports with Morph. I even did a book discussion on Zodiac Just the Facts, the one that Tom Voigt created. And yes, I've read those. It says that he is five foot eight. but after the Stein shooting, there is also a sighting of someone who was five foot ten. That's one description that has been attributed to the possible killer. And of course, the famous line from Cecilia Shepard that she thought the Zodiac Killer was two inches taller than someone who was five foot ten, meaning he was six feet tall. That's why I was, um, I was saying that I thought the Zodiac Killer was five foot ten or five foot ten and a half, two hundred and ten pounds. Back when I did the full profile episode, which you can hear on Black Box Online Radio, where I talk about everything that I think the Zodiac Killer would have been. It's interesting, though, that Morph said, though, he did, he thought the Zodiac Killer didn't have to be extremely, like, postgraduate educated or an extremely high IQ, because I was discussing this with a different person named Michael, Michael Cole, the author of the Zodiac Revisited trilogy, and he said... A handful of things, because, of course, we don't know who the Zodiac Killer was. Michael Cole is a guy who, as I understand, is an engineer by trade, but he really talks a lot about the psychology of the Zodiac Killer. And one point that he brought up was that he thought that a suspect like Ted Kaczynski, who has an IQ in the 160s and such, is too intelligent to be the Zodiac Killer because he's like, okay, this guy is smart, but not that smart. His, his IQ wouldn't be that high, maybe higher than 115 or higher than 120. Mike, Michael Cole didn't use those numbers. But the whole point was that, okay, this guy is some type of very intelligent individual, maybe above average intelligence, but not a genius but not someone who has an IQ in the 150s or 160s. So that would also be in line mostly with what Morph said. If you go back and listen to my episodes on Michael Cole, particularly when I did the Michael Cole AMA, you can hear um, some conflicting things. And I give credit to Cole because I'm conflicted too with a suspect like Ted Kaczynski. And the reason is that I asked Michael Cole, do you think the Zodiac Killer was a schizophrenic? And he said... If I had to decide, no, because I don't think he would have been able to do everything that he did, like lack of awareness in regard to his mental faculties and so on. But then I asked him, was there ever a suspect that truly got your attention and truly made you consider him for a while, even though Cole does not endorse any suspects? And he said, Ted Kaczynski. And it's like, well, think about everything we said. Okay, his IQ is too high in Cole's mind, and or that he is a schizophrenic. Kaczynski was given a provisional diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because, no, I completely understand him. I mean, I completely get it. I don't think that the Zodiac Killer was a schizophrenic either. But if there was any schizophrenic who could have pulled it off, it would have been Ted Kaczynski because of all the things we know about him from the Unabomber mystery. And, um, well, then that case has been solved. And when I was talking to Michael Morford on the Zodiac Killer channel, I really wanted him to make some comments about that. Talk about some things that are a little bit more speculative. You know, what kind of psychological elements do you think are going on? Or if you think that Macduff is the Zodiac Killer, well, how would you relate that to this? Or what's the explanation for that? Why do you think he committed these crimes? Was it trying to create a criminal masterpiece loaded with mathematical signatures? Or do you believe the motivation for the Zodiac Killer 
mystery was that this is just some guy who has heterosexual animosity who's trying to get revenge on society because he is a disgruntled, rejected, heterosexual male. And Morph um, has a couple comments about that, which you can hear in my interview with him when that comes out. But mostly he did not want to talk about that because at the end of the interview, he said flat out that I think it's more valuable to find out who the Zodiac Killer was. And then we can try and talk about the psychological aspects, like this means this, or this could be something that happened in his childhood, which led him to go on to these types of events and so on. And I was, well, forced to admit, yeah, he's probably right. And that definitely is a more effective way. But do not worry. That will not stop me from running my mouth about things that I probably shouldn't. Because that's what I do here on Black Box Online Radio. And sometimes it's fair to speculate. I have no problem putting out a theory or putting out an observation. I just told you I thought the Zodiac Killer was 5 feet 10 and a half inches tall, 210 pounds, and most likely had postgraduate education. If it turns out that I'm wrong about everything, well, I'm not that famous, so it doesn't bother me. So let's um see how this plays out. But I was rather um, surprised when Mike Morford said that he thought that it could be possible that the Zodiac Killer mystery would reach its conclusion in two years, or to be more honest and more fair, fairer, excuse me, that it is possible that there could be a major breakthrough in the case within the next two years. And I don't mean the solving of the 340 cipher, or realizing that the Bates had to die letters were a hoax, but there could actually be some type of DNA breakthrough in the next two years. And like, wow, that's just, it's uh, it's amazing to think about that, but... To add some things from the most recent debunking episode on Ted Cruz, I um I would want to talk about how do, do people actually want the case to be solved? I absolutely do. And I have a comment that I would like to get to. As you see, this was talking a little bit about Morphin McDuff and the comments that he made during our interview, which you can hear on the Zodiac Killer channel as soon as it's out. But also, I would like to just respond to your questions and comments because I'm doing the Axeman series, so I won't have the AMA this week in its traditional format. Classic Chevy Cat writes, I've always had a feeling that if the Zodiac is ever known, people are going to be disappointed. He was probably a totally and not known suspect we are familiar with. Maybe a mailman with no grand plan. Well, so much for everything that I said about um the uh, postgraduate education and the high IQ and so on. I guess you could have a postgraduate education and still choose to be a mailman. Why not? It has benefits. And um, Classic Chevy Cat continues by saying, I want to know who the Santa Rosa hitchhiker murderer was. Ted Cruz? Question mark. I think it was a politically driven joke, stupid as it may have been. Deep down, it's possible that many don't want the Zodiac Killer mystery solved. I'm 50-50, sad to admit. Once it's over, all those whacked-out theories are just words on paper and nothing more. Yeah, but um, as I said, I don't mind admitting that I'm wrong. I would like to reach conclusion of the mystery, and there are going to be plenty more mysteries out there to examine, and I, I don't think the world is going to run out of evil. Let's just say that. I also have to give a shout-out to Zepp from Zodiac Killer Identified. He's the guy that makes all those videos about Don Harden being the Zodiac Killer. Most of them have a blue screen and white lettering, 
and I did a debunking episode on Donald Hardin, his Zodiac Killer suspect. And Don Hardin is more famous for being the guy who solved the 408 cipher. Really, it's Don Hardin and his wife Betty Hardin. They solved it together. And Zodiac Killer identified writes, All points mentioned here are not the reason for Hardin being a suspect, but here's just one of many more. And he sent me a link to his YouTube channel, and I was like, okay, let's see what he has. And that video was on how Don Hardin sometimes used a comma in the correct place before the word there and before the word this, and the Zodiac Killer also sometimes used a comma in the correct place before the word there and this, and that um, he only did it sometimes, not all the time. Here's an example of the Zodiac Killer writing a word without that comma in the correct place. Don Hardin also did not put a comma in the correct place. I'm just sorry, but that's the, that's why I did the debunking video on that. That's sorry, not sorry, actually. I don't think that's an effective way to do that. Looking at comma rules, hey, sometimes he's using commas in his sentences, and sometimes he's not, therefore Don Harden is the Zodiac. Please forgive me if I sound harsh, but I think that is purely ineffective, and that will not generate any type of answers in the mystery. And also, that doesn't give you anything that could not be explained simply by ambiguity. Sometimes he used a comma and sometimes he didn't. How is that exclusive to Don Harden? How is that exclusive to the Zodiac Killer? It's not. I just do not, um, I do not find a lot of value in those types of discussions. But as I said in that debunking video, I do think that Zepp from the Zodiac Killer Identified channel has proposed an interesting suspect in the murder of Nikki Benedict from 1967. I said that Joe did an interview with the Mystic Drop, which is available, I said it right that time, on the Mystic Drop YouTube channel, and he talks a lot about the murder of Nikki Benedict. He believes she was killed by the Zodiac Killer, and none other than that, his Zodiac Killer suspect, Garrett Penn. But I also talked about how Zepp proposed a guy named Robert Fisk as the suspect in the murder of Nikki Benedict. You can watch his video on that. I highly recommend it. And on that note about how I don't think this, um... These word games and number games are very effective, and now it's not even the words, it's the commas. Okay, well, what is something like, what is something that Michael Morford would use as his method? Because that was something that I wanted to learn about from Morph when I was talking to him. And I asked him flat out, okay, you don't seem to like talking about psychology, you don't seem like to speculate as to the motivations as to why these crimes were committed without knowing who the perpetrator was. And Morph said very clearly that he was a guy who's into data. And I can see where he's coming from, because Morph is not only good with data, but also he's very good with networking, getting in touch with the investigators. He even interviewed someone who had a first-hand connection to Donna Lass, which I'll talk more about on the Thursday episode, getting those first-hand accounts from other people. And yes, it becomes second-hand once he is sharing it with me, but the people who have had first-hand experiences and learning about the first-hand tactics that are used by investigators, I mean, I'll give him credit for that, because a lot of the observations that he was able to share 
up with me from the Golden State Killer mystery turned out to be true. So he says the things that he learned about from law enforcement where they think that, okay, this guy must have had a major life-changing event in 1981 and then a life-changing event in 1986. And Joseph D'Angelo, the Golden State Killer, had a daughter born in 81 and another kid born in 86. So those things are lining up. Their observations were correct. And okay, I mean, I'll give him credit for that. And Mike Morford also has a book out on the Golden State Killer. It's the um, Criminology Podcast presents the Zodiac Killer and also one on the Golden State Killer. Now, we have um, a comment from Albert Forrell on the Ted Cruz debunking video when he says, I need an Alex Jones perspective on this. Maybe Ted Cruz is a vampire, so, you know, that's why we haven't solved it. Ah, yes, because Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer, even though he was born in 1970 and the first Zodiac Killer crime occurred in 1968. Oh, well, he's a vampire. What are you going with vampire for? Why not the lizard people? Or that evil is just shape-shifting in different forms of the global establishment? And... I mean, Alex Jones condemned the lizard people, I know, but did he say something about Hillary Clinton being a vampire once? I, I forget. I was really looking for the clip when he said that John Kerry, the former Secretary of State, and who knows what he does now, was a guy who performed ancient Egyptian rituals where he would go under the Great Pyramids of Giza and bathe in excrement. I, I, just, I swear I heard that once, but I couldn't find it again. But as far as something that is up Alex Jones's alley in the Zodiac Killer mystery, I know it doesn't involve Ted Cruz and the vampires and the lizard people. We'll save that stuff for uh, David Icke's future Zodiac Killer book, Knock on Wood and Rich with Possibility. But something that would be up Alex Jones's alley is the CIA angle. And I have an episode out about the Zodiac Killer CIA connection, which I would invite you to listen to. But it's also that the first two crimes in the Zodiac world Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs were drug-related or gang-related shootings. Maybe there's even the same shooter, but I doubt it. And then the second two crimes, Lake Berryessa and the Stein murder, were committed by CIA operatives. And it was all done about getting these letters and ciphers in the paper. It was all done about creating this image of terror, Operation Terrify America as well as just altering modern culture, making people afraid in San Francisco, destroying the hippie movement, because the CIA is the private arm of the global elites. And the global elites are the people that Alex Jones would always talk about, the globalists, the tyrants, and the social engineers. Socially engineering what? Modern culture. Gl globalists, what does that even mean? The people who want to spread globalization to create... A one-world government that is going to be dominated by the oligarchs so they can have pure control over humanity. And one of the ways to do that is by affecting modern culture. If you control how people think, you control everything. So they are behind Manson, they're behind the Zodiac Killer, and so on. It's a very specific worldview. I notice that there are many types of conspiracy theorists out there. I'm a conspiracy theorist, even. But only some conspiracy theorists buy into this thing about how all worldly tragedies are connected to the global elites, the New World Order. I don't think it's that specific. And as I always said, the problem with Alex Jones was 
He wanted you to get mad at the people, not getting mad at the system, or not challenging the system. But, um, we had a comment from Matthews Kudra who says, Can you do one on Donald Lee Booyak about the debunking series? And Studio Steph responded by saying, Ned covered Booyak about eight months ago. Scroll through BBOR's uploaded video list. I just wanted to point out, I have two episodes on Donald Lee Booyak. One is extremely general, and it's like one of those 20-minute old black box recordings. Donald Lee Booyak is, of course, the guy who's going to be the subject of the future book, The Montana Connection, by Kevin Brooks. He is um, someone who was at Deer Lodge Prison in Montana, released December 17th or 18th, was it? 1968, just days before the Lake Herman Road murders. Now, with Booyak, I did a second episode on him called Donald Lee Booyak and the Murder of Otto Fawson, and I talk a lot about um, some of Kevin Brooks's claims for him being the Zodiac Killer, but also the murder that sent him to Deer Lodge Prison in the first place, the 1957 murder of Otto Fawson. And Donald Lee Booyak was involved with car theft, and he was actually hitchhiking at the time. He's walking down this road, and he's accosted by the sheriff's deputy, Otto Fawson, and they get into an altercation. He ends up shooting Otto Fawson five times with the bullets penetrating his neck and chest, and I believe Otto Fawson's last words when he was riding in the ambulance were, take it easy, guys, and you could find, like, Montana forums, like, in from their historical society, even going back just a couple years ago when people were saying, I knew Otto Fawson as a kid, how he died when I was eight, but I still remember him, he was just such a loving person, and when you hear about those last words that he gave in the ambulance, take it easy, guys, you probably think that that's true. But Donald Lee Booyak murders Otto Fawson, and if, if what I recall is correct, he goes on to become the fugitive in the largest manhunt in Montana history, and eventually he's apprehended, sent to jail, and goes um, on to serve, what is it, 11 years of a life sentence, and then gets out in 1968, and, well, we'll find out more about him when Kevin Brooks's book come out, comes out, but... Matiush, I believe, is asking, will you do Donald Lee Booyak in the debunking series? I don't see why not. Um, I definitely do not um, think that Booyak was the Zodiac Killer. It's just that there have been other suspects that I've been thinking about that have come up rather um, frequently. Or, uh, I mean, somebody requested Ted Cruz, and I, I did that episode on Ted Cruz because I just wanted to ask you guys the question, do people actually want the Zodiac Killer mystery solved, or do people want to do the whole chases more fun than the catch? That's why they're proposing suspects like Ted Cruz, who obviously couldn't be the Zodiac because he wasn't even born yet. But Christy T. has sent me a new Zodiac suspect named Jordan Maxwell. Maxwell says he was a senator and two federal judges are in his family. Who better to cover his ass? Um, well, that was a response to Ted Cruz. You think Ted Cruz is covering his ass? And the reason why Christy thinks Jordan Maxwell was the Zodiac Killer is, I went over to her channel and a video that she had, and it says that this guy Jordan Maxwell was living in California in the Bay Area in the 1970s. Didn't even say the 1960s. I really was not very impressed, so I kind of moved on. Uh, Analyst Set has a comment on the Don Harden debunking video. I've watched a number of these debunked videos, and I am one who thinks the Zodiac remains unknown, although I do find merit in Drew Beeson's work. I think the Zodiac must have had a number of odd hobbies that made it, made it possible to find a collection of writing, ciphers, artwork, and similar things in an attic somewhere. That will point to the perpetrator. 
I doubt he created the ciphers and art and discarded all evidence of his work. I am an artist and writer who works on some odd things. If I dropped dead today, among my possessions would be found pages of work with ancient alphabets and symbols, as well as artwork, writings, and drawings. I wanted to respond to this comment for a couple reasons. First, did the Zodiac get rid of all types of um, his clues that would reveal that he's the person who created the ciphers, artwork like the Halloween card, peek through the pines card? I have no idea. Maybe. But there's a high chance that something would be left behind. A big point that Morph put forward in favor of his suspect McTuff being the Zodiac Killer is they discovered a code book in his possession. Things like that. But I also should say, Anna Lissette even brings up a great point here, that they, if you were to go through her things, you would find books with ancient alphabets and symbols, as well as artwork, writings, and drawings. Well, just because somebody has books on symbols and alphabets and writings and drawings of of any type of particular image that seems similar, that doesn't mean they're the Zodiac Killer. I highly doubt the Zodiac Killer was Anna Lissette, and I think you can get the idea. Just because someone has those types of things that um, seem similar in their possession, maybe this person had a book of symbols that look extremely similar to the Zodiac ciphers. Whatever suspect you're thinking of, whatever one cut first comes to mind, but that doesn't mean that they were the Zodiac Killer. Steve Allen has a comment about McDuff from one of the older episodes. The witnesses to the Paul Stein murder described the Zodiac as 35 to 45. McDuff was only 23 at the time of the murders. And as I said at the beginning, I think he was um, 24 by the time of the Stein murder. But yeah, I, I totally see your point. And um, now Morph did talk about McDuff in the um, interview, saying, firstly, that... Mike Michaud thought that the perpetrator was around mid-twenties, and Brian Hartnell, I believe, said the voice at Lake Berryessa sounded like it was somewhere between 20 and 30, so McDuff would fit that, but, I mean, you guys know where I stand on McDuff, so um, don't have to uh, go over all that again. We have a comment from Simon about the Zodiac hoax theory, and Hal Snook, who has been accused of uh, be writing the letters in the hoax theory, and Simon writes... The problem was saying that Hal Snook or anyone with, who was some kind of CIA black operative is verifying it. It's easy to say that someone was a secret agent type guy because you aren't going to be able to call CIA headquarters and ask them. Thank you, Simon. Just thank you for that. If he was, they aren't going to admit it. If they're going to say that he wasn't an agent, the person who made the claim would say, of course they're going to say he wasn't an agent. Then they're going to claim they have other sources in the CIA but can't name their sources because they're still working for them. I mean, yeah, totally. When I was listening to Tom O'Neill on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he's talking about his theory that Charles Manson was a CIA informant, not an operative, but an informant. And he's just um, going on about how he was showed somebody Charles Manson's arrest records, and not only the arrest, but also the release. And the guy just said the perhaps now famous clip, chicken shit, chicken shit, chicken shit. He was an informant. And Tom O'Neill asks him, an informant for whom? And the guy says, you will never know. It's possible that these guys are informants, whether it's Charles Manson or Hal Snook. And with Charles Manson, they mostly mean that the CIA was just observing him and his responses to LSD to uh, see how it affects the brain. And there could be some type of MK Ultra brainwashing going on. With Hal Snook, he is accused of somebody. He's accused of being somebody who wrote the letters. 
and it's really just the early letters in the Zodiac Killer Mystery, everything prior to November 9th of 1969, and he would have designed the ciphers but not written them. Somebody else would have done that. And the Zodiac hoax theory has multiple participants in it, because just that, it's getting closer and closer to a CIA operation. I don't believe it started out that way. It's, of course, put, by, put forward by Thomas Henry Horan and the myth of the Zodiac Killer. And um, I'm just very conflicted on that, because there are some new things that I would like to say in a future episode about when we can just talk more freely about that one, maybe for like 40 straight minutes and so on. And the next comment is one that came in also from Simon on the episode about Randy Kenny as a Zodiac Killer. Last week I did something a little bit similar when I put all of the um, episodes into once the True Crime Talk Radio, as well as the um, AMA section. And I, I even played a clip from Randy Kenny, and he is the guy who put Louis Myers um, as his suspect for the Zodiac Killer mystery. And it says... Sounds like Kenny took a page right out of Robert Graysmith's book. Get a suspect that has already been investigated by the police but not charged for the Zodiac murders. Then blend all of the hearsay and circumstantial nonsense you can to sell a book. Did Kenny interview Pam Huckabee and get her to her ever-changing testimony to help sell some books? I don't think so because I don't believe Kenny actually put out that uh, book. Um, I don't believe that that was actually done maybe... He has, and he's just done it under some other name, and it's just kind of completely slipped my mind. Now, we have a comment from Josofo2, who has one on the book discussion from Zodiac Killer, Just the Facts. And he's talking about the Lake Herman Road murders, and there is this guy that was harassing Betty Lou Jensen prior to her murder. Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday were murdered on December 20th of 1968. They are the first confirmed victims of the Zodiac Killer. And the guy that was bothering them, whom I believe is named Richard Burton, but in the police reports that were included in Zodiac Killer Just the Facts, there's only one mention of his last name. Every other time it's redacted, and he's simply referred to as Ricky. I often call him Richard Ricky Blank, but one time they did say his last name was Burton. So Josopho says... The problem with Ricky is his alibi is pretty tight. I don't see him leaving his house at 10 p.m. or whenever they stopped watching his TV, finding David and Betty and killing them. How does he know where they were? They were at some random electrical park. It's not like they were posting their location on Snapchat. Like, maybe if his family is lying about how he was watching TV with them that night, that would be more interesting. But his alibi is airtight enough, I find it very difficult to believe he committed the murders. I think it was uh, one of you guys in the comments section who said that Richard Ricky Blank, the guy that was bothering Betty Lou, gets a 1 out of 10, or maybe a 0 out of 10 in terms of likelihood of actually committing her murder. Now, in Just the Facts, it talks very clearly about how the Jensen family was very concerned about Ricky. He was bothering Betty Lou. They're like, we got to close the gate at night. We don't want Ricky sneaking around. He was accused of peeping into windows. He was also threatening David Faraday, saying he wants to punch him in the teeth. But my response to that was, that's just typical teenage hot-headed behavior. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. Don't mistake me. But does that mean he actually committed murder? Saying he wants to punch somebody in the teeth is not on par with saying that he's going to shoot somebody with a twenty-two caliber gun with a pencil flashlight taped to it. That's a completely different world. 
Now, as far as his alibi, Ricky's alibi is his family. Would they lie for him? Absolutely. Did he sneak off or something? Um, well, then they would still be covering for him. I guess, I guess his alibi is airtight as of now. I was discussing the Lake Herman Road murders with Evan from Texas, who um, has a couple videos out online. He's working on his next one. And I um, was asking him, do you just flat out believe that the Lake Herman Road murders were drug-related? And he said yes. It was David Faraday um, challenging some guy who was pushing drugs at his school, and David was very anti-drug. And now there's an interesting question, though, that was mentioned by Sofo's comment. How did this person know where they were? No matter who it was, Ricky or David Walliot or any of the other suspects in that, or how did they know where they were? Well, Ray Grant talks about this in the book Zodiac Killer Solved, and he's like, how do you keep tabs on somebody prior to the internet? You follow their car. And I believe it's actually a water pumping station. Maybe there's something electrical there, but it's often referred to as the Benicia water pumping station as opposed to an electrical station. So they're just in that parking lot, which seems to be somewhat of a familiar place for teenagers to hang out at. But, I mean, what really happened to Lake Herman Road, I'm not sure. When I interviewed Thomas Henry Horan for the interviews series on the um, Zodiac Killer channel, he said something rather similar to Ray Grant, that he thought that they were abducted or that they were threatened and coerced to go to that parking lot and... You know, I just, I just don't know if that's happened, if that's what happened, because they're about, there's about, there's just a large chunk of their evening that was missing. They didn't go to the Christmas concert like they were supposed to, so what did they do? I don't know, maybe they went off and watched the stars together and they had hot chocolates or something, or maybe they just did some things where David is trying to be all flirtatious and such. They were on a date. I mean, they wanted private time, and perhaps they did just pull over to that parking lot in Lake Herman Road because so David could give Betty Lou his class ring, ask her to be his steady girlfriend, and they got blindsided by the Zodiac Killer. Or maybe it, Evan is completely right that somebody had been following the car, I repeat, following the car, who wanted to respond to David's interference with the drug trade. I don't know. It's an unsolved case. I mean, according to Thomas Henry Horan, it has been solved for a long time, and the perpetrator is named John Doe Ott, whom they believe is David Walliot, who is a protected informant. I don't know if that's true either. Yeah. What do you guys think? And um, you can use that as a final challenge question. What do you think about the Lake Herman Road murders? Also, what do you think about the Zodiac Killer suspect Macduff? And, um, weigh in in the comments section down below. I would love to hear what you guys have to say. And as always, please look out for the Disappearance of Donna Last series. Also, that new thing that'll come out hopefully on the weekend. Uh, whenever it comes out about the, uh, podcast for sure, Sleeping, the Sleep Aid podcast thing. As well as the interviews with Morpha and, um... The interview that Joe did with Roberto on the Mystic Drop podcast, I like the Mystic Drop a lot, I've watched uh, several of the other videos, and of course many things here on Black Box Online Radio. I'll see you on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.